and welcome to the Nifty Podcast, presented by Partyfish Media, a showcase of the best emerging filmmakers under the age of 25 from all over the world. Film starts here at the virtual Nifty 2020 from Seattle, Washington. Um, my name is Jessica Stossel. I was one of your programmers this year, and I'm here with Roxy Sorkin, who made breast milk in the Call Your Mother screening. Hi! <laughs> Roxy, do you just want to introduce yourself, tell us um, where you are right now, what you're up to? So I'm in California quarantining with my family. Um, we were lucky enough to finish breast milk like right as the pandemic started. I think one of our last days in post was actually the days that the editing labs were closing. So we got out right as it was starting, but I'm lucky to be healthy with my family and I'm just working in California right now. Was this a film you made at school then? Um, yeah, I, so it wasn't for school, but I was in my freshman year at NYU. Um, so just diving right into the main subject matter, if you're like comfortable to talk about your personal life a little bit, I would love to hear about like your own relationship with your mother and how you think that manifested in the script and like, are there any moments in it that you really, really see yourself in? I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, so I was an IVF child. All of the science of it is true to me. Um, I actually have seen photos of my mother now after the film was made, but um, my mom and I are very close. My parents are divorced and I've lived with my mom. I'm close with my dad, but I have lived with my mom my life. And yeah, it was definitely an ode to the friendship that I have with her. And there are so many things that I wrote in that if you know me and you know my mom, you would like keel over laughing because it was overly accurate. That's so cute. Um, I'm thinking about when she explains IVF um, in the yeah. film with the whole um, sequence of the projector and and how euphoria it was. And I think that was. Yeah. Like, <laughs> did you did you get inspiration from Euphoria for that scene? Totally. Okay, totally. I saw so much of it in it. I loved it. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was one of the. I was trying to figure out a way to like explain the science of it, but have it be casual. And I already knew that the tone of the film was going to be wacky anyway. So I was like, let's just put her internal monologue in there. Like she's teaching class. Definitely yeah. that scene from Euphoria. Totally that scene from Euphoria. A nice, uh, I like how we um, spend like a nice moment with them in the morning, but then it's like, okay, let me explain exactly what their mm-hmm. relationship is. And now we can dive into it. I thought that was structured super well. Thank you. Um, talking about the title specifically, it is awesome. It fits so, so well. Did you always know that that was what you were going to call it? Did it pop up later? Yeah. So when I first wrote the film, there were actually scenes with breast milk in it. Like, the, like actual milk. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a, there was a punchline, like there was an opener where they were drinking milk and the audience didn't know what it was. And then the title was going to be breast milk. And it was like, you know, a funny little nod. But I just kept the title as I kept writing and I moved past that draft and it just really stuck. Yeah. And I know um, in the beginning, we still see that shot of like mother and a baby. So yeah. Hopefully that plays into what you had to leave on the cutting room floor. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. It still makes sense, which (laughs) I was aiming for. (laughs) Great. Awesome. Awesome metaphor with the title. Um, And then talking about, sorry, sorry. No, no. Okay. Um, I'm just thinking more about like 
how your mom's relation, you and your mom's relationship manifested in it. Um, your cast, your two leads, like had such amazing chemistry. So, can you talk a little bit about how you cast them, um, and also how you translated your relationship with your mom into them? Yeah. Um, so, as far as casting goes, I cast Cat first, um, and I had actually gone to high school with the actress. I went to Loxa, which is an arts high school in Los Angeles. Um, and she was just someone who had reached out to me and been like, if you're making a movie, I want to be in it. So let me know if that's happening. So I auditioned her and I loved her. And she's, Adina is incredible. And then Elizabeth was actually, I didn't know this when I cast them, but was actually her um, acting coach wow. from when she was a kid. But I didn't know that. I, it was just through connections that I had auditioned her. But it was completely random. That's insane. So I'm sure they already had, you know, kind of that mentor, pseudo parent relationship yeah, going on. They had already worked together in such an interesting, like, power dynamic as a teacher and a student. So that worked out really well. We also shot in my childhood home, which I guess, I, I mean, I hope helped the actors because all the props that we had, like even the photos we had, like it, we literally just replaced the pictures in the picture frames of me and my mom with the actors. And like, everything was very authentic. My mom was on set for some of the days. <laughs> so they That's saw that they were first, first row to the show. Did your mom ever um, get a little bit involved to like try to give you input on the project or was she more of a happy observer? She, my mom, on the script, but not, not during production. But definitely I sent her drafts and she told me how she felt and how, what she thought I was portraying her as. And yeah, like, she was like, <laughs> oh, I'm not that mean. You can't put that in there. Like, <laughs> I was yeah. like, no, you don't, you have to understand it's a movie. <laughs> You're like, no, you totally would order Chardonnay. <laughs> like I have to remove that. <laughs> and some, even some of the clothes in the film were my mom's clothes. That's really cute. Yeah, I was gonna ask if there's any other Easter eggs like that. Yeah, there were there's a lot. I mean, it was definitely like for the size of the production that it was, it was also very like homey. With their awesome relationship, I imagine that you probably had some extra footage that didn't make it in. Um, I'm kind of thinking about how you you brought in like these great slice of life moments like when they're brushing their teeth in the beginning just to mix in with the main conflict were there any like other little um vignettes like that that you filmed or you wrote or or just those moments how did you choose the pieces of their lives you wanted us to see um it was just i kind of wrote around the location to begin with I, as soon as I had decided that we were going to shoot in my house, I knew what it had to offer. So I knew what moments could really resonate in there. I knew I really wanted the last scene to be in the bathroom. I knew I wanted to start in the bathroom, like just the intimate places that I had felt were like almost romantic growing up, like the little moments of having a, a, a mother-daughter relationship where you're that close of like pimp, like pampering yourself and and getting to know each other in that way um but yeah we did cut a lot out because so a lot of the scenes are improv so everything in the restaurant I mean I wrote 
some of it, but not all of it, because we also were actually pouring the wine. So it, it was very authentic in the way that they were just bouncing off of each other. It was so fun to watch. I was cracking. I ruined about 15 takes because I couldn't pour <laughs> my laughter in. Yeah, the restaurant yeah. scene was definitely my favorite. <laughs> it was awesome. So, like, so many of the, the funniest moments, I thought, with the fake ID and, like, yeah. somehow penne with butter really spoke to me. Like, that is, is that your order? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're an adult. Why are you doing that? Like, no, it's it's simple. It's what I want. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what I would like right now. <laughs> Oh, I wanted to ask um, about your childhood home since you said you filmed there. Um, Does one of your parents still own it? Did you, is it like the first time you were going back to it or? Well, so at the time of shooting, I wasn't living there. I was living in New York. My mom lives there still. And now I live there again because I'm quarantined with my mom. So um, yeah, it's literally the house that I've lived in since I was like six with my mom. Did you always envision it would be there with your script? No, honestly. A, a producer talked me into it. Um, just one as a money-saving thing. And also because I was like, the bathroom has to be with the shower next to the window, with the door next to the shower, and there has to be an island in the kitchen, and there has to be marble. And he was like, you're describing your house. Why don't we shoot at your house? That's funny. Yeah, like I'm sure subconsciously you were kind of living in that. Yeah, so I'm glad he pushed you to actually shoot yeah. there. I think I was just caught up in ha- finally. Sorry, I just turned up my brightness so you can see my face smile. Um, I think I was caught up in the idea of we crowdfunded a lot of the budget. We crowdfunded more than half of the budget, and I was like, because it was my first film I made after high school, so I was really excited to make a film this size with this much, uh, like crew and budget and location I was like we're gonna find a cool house and it's gonna be Airbnb we're gonna live in it and I was they're like no we can spend the money on other stuff we don't have to do that (laughs) that's funny yeah is this an idea then has this been in your mind for a while or was it a newer so I actually wrote this is like nifty should really give me a prize for this I wrote this at nifty last year and all of the crew Pretty much was people I met at Nifty. Wow. So like, well, I'm a Nifty, I'm a Nifty success story. <laughs> but it's been in my brain. I watched, um, I was at the centerpiece last year was when I started writing because I was just so inspired by so many of the people my age who had made such great like personal pieces. And I was like, it's time. I can talk about my mom. <laughs> and you said like this was the biggest um production you had worked on mm-hmm. so I'm sure like saving this this really personal idea probably felt good um once you had graduated high school and had a little more experience yeah totally it was it was really nice and comforting also to have a film that I felt like I knew really well because it, it was just out of personal experience so like having so much to cover as a director and as a writer and having the set be at my house which is stressful in its own right and all of that knowing the story so well because I just could picture every single moment in my head was so helpful because it was one less thing I had to worry about when I was talking to actors like that was my favorite part of the day because it was it just came easiest to me 
I feel like the storyboard for this film uh, was just your childhood <laughs> and your own memories. There's some really dark parts of the film and like some of it, I mean, is added because films have to be dramas and they can't end with a whole family being super duper happy. But um, for the most part, yeah, it was like all of the moments with the mom. Yeah, that's just me and my mom. Do you remember any specific films from Nifty or not even specific films, but just moments you felt inspired last year since you wrote it? Well, so like I could go on and on and on about Nifty because of the people that are in my life now. So last year I had a music video. My boyfriend also had a music video. So we flew out and one of our friends was on our flight and he brought two other people who are now like some of my closest friends and we all were kind of like grouped together at Nifty and my boyfriend was a young arts alum. So we kind of were connected with like the whole network of, of young arts people. Um, and we were traveling in this giant squad of, of filmmakers my age and going to all the events and hanging out after and writing together. And that was so much fun. And like meeting these people and then like seeing their films show and how talented they were was so inspiring and cool it's like oh my god I've been having a conversation with this person I didn't even realize they're badass that's awesome (laughs) I'm actually a young arts alum too and like just being in a group of people your own age who are so passionate about film feels so good nifty is like a little filmmaker retreat especially when it's in person but it's like an inspiration weekend yeah, I so wish this year could have been in person. Obviously, it couldn't have, but... Um, oh, okay, sorry, my mic unmuted. Um, but, yeah, this year, I'm so happy that all of my friends, really everyone has content right now. Like, not only is Breast Milk there, but there's also a film that I did production design on that we made in quarantine, which is really exciting, and so many music videos and so much cool stuff. But next year, same thing. <laughs> yeah. And this year now when you um, get inspired, you can just immediately start writing yeah. on another window. I can just my pajamas and like. <laughs> What's the film you production designed? Uh, God is a Lobster. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> it was such a group effort. Like, I don't want to take full credit for production design because it, it, it was six people who made it, like, crew. That's it like and I was one of the six people so <laughs> so it, yeah. it was so much fun so that was you know, a great film. yeah definitely anyone who enjoys um this film should check out that one and also uh, that podcast yeah. episode yeah yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean also I mean shout out to uh, just a few people I know Christina Shang also has a film this year and she's great Shane Bagwell has shot a ton of stuff, and Will Noyce and Thomas Kim have C, which is so good. And yeah, just so many friends with so many cool movies. Do you have any stories from set? Um, like, was this a difficult story to tell on set, or was it like just a great time to direct something like this? It was, I mean, as far as sets go, I feel like a lot of sets I've been on have had like, some bumps in production, but it was so smooth, this set. Oh my God. But it was also so funny because everyone was so close. It was just like this crew of like, sometimes very professional people, but also people who party together. So 
as soon as that was over, it would switch over from like hardworking, lifting, doing things to like just like crazy people being crazy together. Like one of my favorite moments was so we had this U-Haul with all the equipment in it, and it was such a heavy U-Haul. And um, we had our friend who had a suburban on the back drive the equipment around. And he was going to park the U-Haul at the location for the next day, which is where we shot everything on the psych. Um, and I wasn't there, but I'm looking on Instagram. I'm sitting at my house and I'm having a producer's meeting and I'm like going through people's stories. And all of a sudden I see them trailer on cinder blocks, just flooring the car away from it. Because that's the only way they could get the heavy U-Haul off of the car was to just plant it with cinder blocks and floor the Suburban as far as they can and break the latch because they, it was like five guys and they couldn't lift the U-Haul by themselves. Happy no one got hurt on my insurance, but. <laughs> wow. And you didn't have to do any heavy lifting, which. Yeah, it was great. Always nice. I'm happy I saw that on an Instagram story and they got back to my house. And I was like, how did it go, guys? They're like, oh, it was really good. I'm like, so the broken sandbag and the crushed cinder block just ignoring that just necessary casualties yeah. <laughs> at that moment yeah <laughs> i love that you you found some of your crew through nifty yeah most of them that's so awesome are you you guys are we're all la based already or did you link up for this so christina shane was a producer met her at nifty then will noise who didn't have a film last year, but it does have a film this year. Um, I'm trying to, there's definitely more that I'm forgetting, but those are the ones that are sticking out in my brain that I did meet at Nifty. Oh, and Thomas Kim was script supervisor and PSC. Um, yeah, they were LA based after Nifty. Like I think that they had all recently moved. I wasn't, I lived in New York and then I flew out because the majority of our crew was in LA, but we also flew people from New York. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. We also all went to Sundance together like a week before, which was so fun. Oh, wow. This past Sundance? Yeah, the Sundance, the last Sundance pre COVID. Oh my gosh. I went for the second half, and thinking about it now, I'm like, that's probably the oh, last big event <laughs> that I will go to until I'm like 25. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Sundance is so fun. It's another thing that's just like a big party for filmmakers. Definitely. Except that's a party where you feel like <laughs> you you have more imposter syndrome because everyone's not under 25 yeah. and <laughs> yeah, yeah. totally different world. Yeah. Well, we're getting close to the end. So I just want to know um, what you're working on. I know COVID makes it real hard to do productions, but are you writing anything new, working on anything new? I am in pre-pro for a film that will be out soon. Not that soon because COVID, but soon as uh, it's going to be safe to do it. Can you give us any like sneak peeks on the subject matter? So logline girl, uh, her maternal grandmother dies and she thinks she's reincarnated as a beta fish. That's awesome. Sounds crazy. I know. I I think think (laughs) person is really crazy but (laughs) it's gonna be it's gonna be a thing definitely I hope you don't have to um, buy too many fish for that one (laughs) no we I don't think we'll have to 
Not as lobster on the other hand. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was wondering how many lobsters you needed. I, <laughs> I imagine it was a lot. <laughs> we weren't mean to them. We, we treated the lobsters so kindly. Good, good. <laughs> well, tune in to Nifty 2021 to check out your betta fish film. I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> That's an awesome long line. Thanks. Yeah, and then I guess a way to follow me would be on Instagram. And my handle is cowgirl on film. And then my Vimeo is linked in my bio. So that's probably the easiest way to, to get all the things in one place. Cool. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm definitely going to go call my mom after this podcast. Um, but for more information on Nifty 2020, the talented youth, and more emerging filmmakers, check out nifty.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at NFFTY or on Instagram at Nifty Film. And for more podcasts from Party Fish Media, search Party Fish Media wherever you listen to podcasts or follow us on social media at Party Fish Media. Party Fish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliott Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.